Taz is a board-certified integrative medicine physician and the founder of the Center Spring MD uh, medical and wellness practice. And uh, she and I have met uh, personally, and I can tell you out of uh, my own experience with her that her passion for empowering women through really good information and personalized holistic approaches within not only sexual hormones, but really a complete hormone care is really incredible. And um, the reason I want the Taz on, which is something that I don't um, do that uh, often, is because she has such an incredible view on how we work with hormones in every aspect of our lives, not only in menopause and beyond, but really from early on. And uh, now is a really good time to have her on because she wrote a book, which I'm going to hold up here. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's called The Hormone Shift. And I know out of my own personal experience, there's nothing quite than when you birth your child into the world. And uh, and that is a form of a child in into the world. Very and, much. Very yes. much. And so it came out this week. And in there is some really amazing stuff that I want to talk about because um, these are the questions I get in every single course, on every single Zoom session, in any of my programs. Um, we're always coming back to these issues. And I figured it's so great. I can address it from the embodiment perspective and my own personal experience, but you really have this amazing background. And so before I, you know, just uh, continue waxing poetically about you and the book, I wanted to at least say hello and give you a chance to say a few things. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am just so honored to be here with you and your community. I think the world of you, you radiate, you have this amazing energy. And I think that, you know, anything we can collaborate on is going to be amazing. So thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on. And of course, you've been making the rounds talking about the book. I have. <laughs> yes. And uh also, having done that myself, I know that it's quite interesting because there's certain questions that everybody asks you, I'm assuming. And these are probably the questions that made it as chapters into the book. Very much. <laughs> Very much. And so what I want to focus on, um, I think, before we go into the five different uh, which I, by the way, thought was just so cool that I, five different shifts, the names for the shifts I'll mention in a second, or you will mention. But the thing that I really wanted to focus on, because that's the that's what I'm getting to hear on my end and in, in my work, and, and this is, you know, going out to my community, um, is essentially that... And you, you talk about this in the book quite a bit as well. And it's even on the jacket of the book, but there is so much odd information out there and there's so much scary information and conflicting information. And um, as in many issues that have to do with women in general and women's health in specific, um, we are, it's very hard to, to differentiate between 
dogma kind mm -hmm. of almost political or or just you know rabid beliefs of all kinds that could you know from all sides well-meaning or not so well-meaning commercial or uh you know personal but we don't actually ever get taught or given the kind of information that would allow us to make responsible um, choices of our own. And that's what I love about you and the book so much is that you essentially give the education that I would have liked to have uh, when I was a young woman, because I remember distinctly at some point going through some medical encyclopedia, trying to figure out yeah. why things were happening in my body and I could never figure it out and when I started having hot flashes I couldn't find anything about where the what right so um other than a description of what happens so mm -hmm. um would you mind starting out by saying a bit about that and, yeah. and you know Absolutely. So, you know, the book is very much a passion project of mine. And I'm so glad actually you opened up by speaking about exactly that, because every time you put something out there, you're opening yourself up to who knows, you know, whoever, what everyone thinks, right? And it's been fascinating to me. This is a journey I've been on now for a while. I opened my integrative and holistic practice 15 years ago. I've seen collectively, we've seen as a team, probably 35, 40,000 patients through our locations here in the Atlanta area. And then we built out a pretty big telehealth platform in 2020 with the pandemic. And the stories and the data and the numbers and all of this are real patient experiences. This is not something we cooked up in a research lab. This is not something that, you know, we picked out of somewhere else and we're just pontificating on, you know, what you see in the hormone shift is very much the journey of thousands of women that we have had the gift and the opportunity to work with. And what we have done you know, uh, you know, kind of systematically in the practice and what we continue to do. I mean, you know, every day I walk in there, I learn something. And I think it's just such an amazing place because there, each of you have a story and each of you have something for the rest of us. But, you know, every single day as we walk women through this process, they keep hearing the same things that I was told over 20 years ago when I had my own personal hormone journey at 28, 26 or so. And they're still told that, you know, uh, it's not important to check your hormones, you know, that you're just getting old. There's nothing you can do about X, Y, or Z. Um, these are the only options, meaning like maybe two or three options out of the entire toolbox that's out there. And I think that you know, as I keep hearing this over and over again, 15 years, different women, different places, it makes me more stubborn, honestly, to be like, you. we've got to have a, a resource. You've got to have a way to educate yourself. And so as the book has come out, you have to understand that it's based on patient experience. It's based on clinical experience. It's pulling from research. And it's also from pulling from what is clinically relevant and what actually works. I've been using that line a lot because it's been interesting to see people pontificate about hormones and women's health, but they don't see patients or to be locked into a certain aspect of women's health, right? Like you'll have the GYN community very locked in or the endocrinology community very locked in, but they're not thinking about the patient as a whole. They're fixated on a couple of different organs or organ systems. But what we have to do in our practices, which are integrative practices, we see the whole family, we're merging together your 
gut health, your nutritional health, your hormone health, your emotions, your brain, all of it. We're having to look at all of it because the visits are extensive. You know, we get to see how something like a hormone plays into the entire conversation around your health and how something as simple as a hormone can really change the course of your life. And so for me, as the book is coming out and people are looking for a resource, this is a middle path. This is not locked into, you know, MDs are right, MDs are wrong. This is not locked into all alternative medicine is great. Never touch a medication or a hormone. This is very much exactly what I've been doing for the last 15 years with my team, which we've grown to over 12 providers with, this is the middle path. This is where you bring together the best of Eastern medicine, the best of Western medicine, functional medicine, whatever you guys want to call it. And you put it together, finding solutions that work for the person sitting in front of you. And so, you know, the plan in the book does exactly that. It deals conceptually with the things that we've seen our patients struggle with. It creates a foundation for health and for hormone health and hormone chemistry. And it stresses the importance, which I'll continue to write about, to be 100% honest, because I don't think we talk about this enough. It stresses the importance of the continuum of a woman's journey, right? The arc of her health, how she moves from puberty to her early 20s through her childbearing years, kind of the 30s into perimenopause and then menopause and how all that chemistry is intricately connected and related to one another. And if we're not building these foundations on top of one another, then we are setting women up shift after shift after shift for failure. So you take the child that's gone into puberty. If they're not getting their answers, they're going to have a rough twenties. If they're not getting their answers, they're going to have trouble through their thirties, getting pregnant, you know, having issues with periods and fibroids and all these other things. And then they walk into perimenopause, not even knowing sometimes that they're in perimenopause and turning into a different version of themselves. And then they're in menopause. So I just wanted to stop the noise and insanity and be like, please read this, please understand what's happening and pass it on to every woman, you know. <laughs> yes. And that's what we're trying to do. Yes, absolutely. Because yes. <laughs> yes. it was interesting when I put out the word that we were talking, right? There, there were, there's of course a large group of women who are considering themselves suffering in some form or another, which are perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal, mm -hmm. right. where, you hear all the thing, you know, when you and where you were told everything from, oh yeah, you're gonna dry up and, you know, sweat for years on end, right. and you know all of those kind of things, uh, to, uh, you know, your bones are going, and if you don't take hormones, you're gonna have a heart attack or a stroke. But if you do take hormones, you're gonna get you're gonna cancer, heart attack or stroke too. <laughs> so so there's there's that whole field, and I do want to talk about that. Right. But before right. that, what I want to talk about is a little bit prevention of certain things or knowledge of certain things yeah. that would make that time easier. And also there were quite a few questions of women who are going, well, I'm in my late thirties. I still want a child or I'm just now getting to a point where I'm considering having a child. How do I keep myself healthy? How do I keep myself um, or what do I need to know? So I think that beautiful arc that you're making in the book, which I, I just love so much. I'll, I'll name those five shifts in a moment because they're just so cool. <laughs> but, <Kind of> it. <laughs> but, but I think if I would have known personally, right, this is something I had to figure out the hard time, the hard way during the pandemic. If I would have known personally in the earlier years of my career, 
that taxing my adrenals was going to give me trouble in in the in the perimenopausal menopausal realm because I don't have resource to pick up fluctuations. Right. That would have been a game changer. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever explained that to me. People would say, well, you have, uh, you know, your adrenals are fatigued. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Right. Right. Uh, my house burned down, whatever. Right. Yes, things happened. But nobody said, look, here is why that's important beyond the, oh, well, you're, you know, you're exhausted. Um, so so there is, I think, prevention or knowledge that comes early then that sets us up for something a lot better. So you talk about the five things I want to say those names because they're- Go for it, just say it, put it out there. I know you want to do that, go for it. You have these five shifts, which are age-related, right? Right. So the shifts are called the rock star, the hustler, the superstar, the superwoman, and the commander. Right. And this, of course, coincides with the different phases between puberty and- uh, post-menopause. And um, I think, you know, first of all, I love the names for the obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I think um, being able to see how these things overlap and how setting yourself up at any age for the next phase is just really powerful. So I'm handing this back over yes, to you. So, and those names were deliberate, right? And I can give a little bit of background on those. So the rock stars, remember, are those teenagers, 13 to 19. And I literally envisioned them like a rock star, right? Like they think they've got it all. They think they don't have to listen to anyone and they don't know what the hell they're doing, right? So they totally and completely, you know, mess themselves up to a certain extent. So it's our job, I think, as parents or sisters or whoever to help them with some stability and help them understand even this early what their hormone health is looking like and all the factors that play. And we're going to get into those in just a second. And then the hustlers, I thought of myself, I mean, burning the candle at both ends, partying, studying, working, like, you know, just how little sleep could I get by on was more of the mantra, right? So, so, and I was proud of it. We were all super, we wore it like a badge, like, oh my gosh, I'm a high energy person. I don't need X, Y, and Z. So we were, we all hustled through our twenties, but guess what happens? You hit 28, I've noticed it in the practice too, 27, 28, 29, somewhere in there. And it's like, boom, you know, you pay for it. And so progesterone levels drop, my PCOS showed up, my thyroid crashed. You know, I see different versions of that in my patients and and, you know, now you're trying to get pregnant, maybe, or you're trying to start a family, or you're just trying to bust in a career or whatever it is, and you feel miserable and you start to look differently too. And that, that can shake a woman's boat big time. Like what's going on? I'm still young. Why is all this happening? And then those same women go into perimenopause completely unaware, and then go into menopause where there's complete decline of hormones. And instead of remember Eastern systems of medicine want us to evolve shift to shift. We are spiritually evolving, literally moving up the chakra ladder, right? That's how they thought about it. Like each shift is a spiritual evolution. You're coming into alignment with yourself. You're kind of giving birth to yourself. So ideally you're moving through these shifts 
and you're evolving up. And as a commander, that name was very purposeful. As a commander, you're stepping finally into your power and you're going to lead. You're going to lead not only yourself, but you're going to lead the other women around you. You're going to lead the community and you're going to re-gift them with all the knowledge and wisdom that you've accumulated over the years. So you're held up. But what I see happening with women as they talk to me is that they don't feel that, right? They feel small, they feel invisible, they feel expired, or they've accepted the narrative that they're old and nothing's relevant. And that's really what we want to change. There in Eastern systems of medicine, you prepared for a shift. It was like you paid attention to this. You were educated about this. And so it meant paying attention to things like, you know, what are you feeding yourself? What is the quality of your food, the nutrient quality of your food? And they had, you know, each system had different ideas around that, but it was a very critical component of a woman's health and of, of her hormone journey. The second one was really, where's your gut health? Gut, the gut was the foundation of health. And so if you weren't paying attention to gut health through these shifts, then each shift was going to be more painful than the shift before. And we match that to science today. We, they were right. We know, for example, that the microbiome that lives in the gut is responsible for metabolizing hormones. If it's not working well, you can't metabolize estrogen. You can't have thyroid function that's optimal. You have cortisol and blood sugar levels that are all over the place. So they talked about gut health. They also talked about liver health. The liver was considered a part of the gut. And if you were taxing your liver, and we're going to talk about what taxing your liver means in just a minute, and you were clogging your liver, you would end up with this pattern of liver stasis where you couldn't move hormone through. So you would have estrogen dominance, you would have things like, you know, high cortisol again. So for them, all of these things were very preventable. Moving on from that though, taxing the liver was also caused by excessive emotional burden. Mm -hmm. So women, for example, that had trauma or repressed anger or hate that was stored in the liver. So that emotional burden, right, in turn made it difficult for the liver to do what it was supposed to do with hormones. And unfortunately, you know, again, the book I think is really needs to be dedicated to all the women that have come through the practice and have taught me all of this. But I've sat with so many women in deep, deep trauma, right? So many. And some of them going through really tough divorces or a loss. And unfortunately, if they don't listen, I can literally clock and I can know that if they are not doing the emotional work that they need to do to release this, and if they're not over nurturing themselves, 18 months, I'll be dealing with something. I'll be dealing with an autoimmune disease. I'll be dealing with a new cancer diagnosis. I'll be dealing with something with them. And so I'm kind of desperate to like not scare them, but at the same time, you know, be like, we've got to deal with this emotional piece, you know, the elephant in the room, we have to deal with it. So these are the things that they really stressed and paid important, you know, paid a lot of importance to and thought that when you were doing these things, then shift to shift to shift, you would move up instead of being crippled by it or feeling like I wish I was 20 again, or I wish I was 30 or 30 again. None of us should be feeling that or wishing that, you know, so that's the part that I have spent a lot of time and energy on in the book, along with the emotional component and the mind body component, because I feel like that's something we all can do at any age. And that lays the foundation for your next set of decisions, which is, do you need a hormone? Do you not need a hormone? All that, it should be a second decision. This stuff comes first. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> That's the thing that when I when I got my uh, sticky paws on the book, right, I was so uh, happy about 
because you know of course in my work with nonlinear movement which is a somatic release modality yeah. um that that is one of the things that people report is that even though it's such a simple movement right um it has these knock-on effects we're actually about to start a study on this uh, a clinical study where people report not only better sleep but also um you know a drop in in general stress but specifically a drop in um in cortisol and stress hormones and things like that as they as they release things because yeah. you know in in of course in in uh, chinese medicine liver time right that that thing when you wake up in the middle of the night angry and hot mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. does yeah. very much feel like a um a night sweat right? <laughs> or a night and sweat even, like just thinking about your work like the emotional component of the pelvic floor exactly. right i mean if there's anger and if there's a lack of stability or fear like a lot of that locks up the pelvic floor exactly yeah and and uh, i just taught a teacher training a nonlinear teacher training last weekend and i was saying while we now look at the solar plexus and the gut right and also not so much the liver yet but solar plexus and gut most people are aware of nowadays Mm -hmm. the the final frontiers in my work is the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. and i think the liver falls in in the final frontier area as well in the context of people don't understand that it's not just what you eat or drink or the alcohol you have but or or you know the sitting in a chair that's not good for you but that those layers of experience in the pelvic floor really hold so much emotional stuff that then in turn decreases the tension decreases the the circulation and the you know the exchange of fluids and all of those things so to make that the first port of call and hormones hormone replacement or or medication or whatever the second the secondary thing feels like a huge relief in in the context of what you're talking about definitely and i think again it's actionable right it's actually you don't need anybody you don't need a doctor you don't need anybody for these first steps right people feel paralyzed by their experience in the exam room or by the fact that it's medical knowledge but i think this first first journey is very much you getting to know you and having a conversation with your body and just the information at hand to really begin to understand this stuff, you know? And so I'm super excited for everybody to learn more. And also, like you said earlier, just have something that we didn't have. Like if I had read this book at 20 or 25, like sure, my life went on in a beautiful direction, but the angst and the the misery and the lack of self-esteem and the lack of self-confidence that came for a period of time, like I probably could have diverted all of that. Right. So I think that, you know, for all women watching, you know, I don't care how old you are, you know, this information is critical because this is foundational information for your hormones, for your health, but also like not to be too out there, but also literally for your vibration, what you will bring into your life, what you will attract and the series of decisions that you'll make thereafter. Yeah, I could not agree more. And like you said, I mean, if I would have understood some of the things that I now am learning, right, I could have also um, be a better advocate for myself in medical situations. 
things. Because I had several um, instances where people said, oh, you should get your hormones checked. And in my 30s, mid 30s, and then again in my 40s when perimenopause kicked in. Mm -hmm. And every time I had an abysmal, I mean, just abysmal experience based on the fact that I wasn't educated because where would I have been educated? So I couldn't actually advocate for myself. And then in the aftermath of having had a bad experience, I learned things, right? So I I think that I can't say enough about the approach of not only education in what you're delivering there, but also stressing the importance of education being empowerment. Um, You know, when you say, okay, I can do these things for myself and then from a more optimized place within myself and some understanding of my own body, I can go and get the rest of it with whatever that means. Definitely. And I think, you know, uh, knowledge is power. We already know that, but your health is a superpower, right? Your hormones are a superpower. So when you have things lined out, you feel incredible, right? And you're able to really be present in your relationships and your work and, you know, whatever else you're doing. I think when you don't, I talk about it, I've seen it, you know, happen in our home and I've seen it happen with patients. You kind of go dark. It's like someone takes the lights out, right? And then you don't do the things you're supposed to do. So, you know, I think that we talk about women's empowerment, you know, we talk about, you know, uplifting women and we talk about it in these very different ways, all of which have a place in the conversation, but we never talk about it in light of chemistry and that there's chemistry to empowerment, right? You know, and um, that we need to be thinking about that. So before we can go like, you know, I don't know, climb a mountain or do whatever else, you have to have the raw materials, you know? So, I mean, that's sort of the way I like to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and chemistry is everything that knows everyone who's ever had really bad PMS. Right? Yes, right? <laughs> and then even for, I mean, I, I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I've been talking about it some, the whole swing of relationships, right? That with the hormone shifts, there are shifts in oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone, right? That's how you feel happy about your partner. You're able to connect with your partner. And with these shifts, if you think about it, like when cortisol goes up, oxytocin goes down. So when we're in a stress state, we can't bond. When hormones decline, like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, not only does our libido go down, but at the same time, our oxytocin goes down, but serotonin goes away too. So we're anxious and incapable of bonding and have no libido, you know? So it's impacting the dynamic between who's in our you know orbit, so to speak, because all of a sudden, you know, we're looking at them and we're like, I don't like them anymore, but do you really not like them anymore? Right. Or is it the chemistry not making you like right. them anymore, right. you know, so. Right. And I think, thank you for saying that because I see this a lot in my work and it's yeah. often so interesting because when you've, you know, when you've been around your own hormones long enough, you you might get a glimpse that what, what you're feeling about your partner at any given day might have something to do, right. Right? Have something to do <laughs> with how you see them. But right. I, I, for myself, and I see this in a lot of people I've worked with, right? I mean, it's only now towards the very, very, very end of me having cycles that I can go, uh-oh, mm-hmm. I am like in this... I hate my life. Everything's mm-hmm. bad. I need yeah. to 
chocolate and weep uh, <laughs> and I'm going to run away with the circus, right? Only now can I go, I know what that is. But yeah. I would say for at least 25 years, every time when then I would start bleeding, I'd be like, exactly. Right, because that's the nature of hormones, yep. and this is true in 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 relationship. So, with all of that said, um, would you mind for everyone listening live, and then you know we'll make a podcast out of this, uh, kind of the cornerstones of what there is to know, without giving the entire book away, of course, but just the the you know the few bits and pieces to consider uh, when people start kind of educating themselves and when people come to your book with what is this about yeah so the first thing we do is a is really work on food right food is ultimately your power source and your nutrient source so there's a lot about foods a lot about ways to you know stock your kitchen because i know all of us are busy and running around we don't want to make food complicated or restrictive we just want to make it smart so foods that work for your hormones things you need to be thinking about so there's a whole section around that um, there's a section on gut health, like how to balance your gut, how to get your gut to behave effectively, things that women are missing frequently. Um, I think many women today don't realize that cholesterol is the building block of all hormones. So if they're malabsorbing fat, not getting fat in, not digesting fat, then we see the hormone crash or the depletion must much sooner than we'd like to. Uh, then really doing an inventory on your toxic load. The environment today is not the same as even 30 or 40 years ago. We have an incredible bombardment of toxins in our environment. I mean, I, I say that it sounds very cliche, but it's true. I get to see it in the exam room. I can literally test for these things now. You can find levels of glyphosate. You can find levels of BPA and the numbers are just getting higher and higher. So we know we're all walking around with this stuff. So we have to be a little bit more deliberate than on cleaning out the liver, just like you would clean the filter on your dryer. Like we've got to clean out the liver periodically to help manage the load that we're all getting exposed to. And then uh, there's an exercise in there to really question yourselves emotionally where is your vibration and your emotional frequency like the goal is to be kind of neutral or even and then the highest emotion being joy or love the lowest being hate or anger where are you you know and when I look at that again you know in in editing and proofing the book and you know I was thinking like in my 20s and 30s I sat in the more negative emotions for whatever reason right fear, anger, worry, impatience, all of those things contributes to making you not well. And then we move from there into a plan, a true plan, like a 30-day reset, where you work week by week on each of these concepts. And really, hopefully, I'm able, and this in week three of the plan, we're able to help you identify your dominant hormone pattern. So the plan is similar for the first few weeks, and then it splits so that um, there's a little bit more customization there. And you can start to understand that, oh, okay, this is my main pattern. Therefore, this is what I need to do for it. And then we come back together to really work on the mind-body connection there. So, you know, that's that's the course of what you'll see. But in addition to, to that and just the knowledge of all of that and the tools there, I mean, I talk about labs. I talk about ranges for labs. I talk about optimal ranges, how to check them, all these things, all these debates that we're having out there that honestly, you know, 
at first I'm tolerant, but then I just get annoyed. Like, why are we making this so difficult? This doesn't need to be this hard, you know, but here are some ideas about where your labs need to be based on everyone we've seen. Everyone's normal is their own. You know, the current normals are set for the average. The average was determined a long time ago by men, just trying to keep women away from being diseased, right? So those normals aren't really normal. So, you know, we've set some guidelines there, but if you're tracking and trending your numbers, then you'll be able to understand, you know, where you feel amazing and great and where numbers off. And I can just give you like, even for me, my thyroid, my thyroid is normal lab to lab to lab to lab, but just six or seven months ago, I was noticing my hair again was getting like that crackly, the sandpapery crackly thing. And I'm like, that's weird. What's going on? Check. I checked everything, even though it's normal, it was a change from my previous, right? So my thyroid had gone off, off again. So once I corrected it, I'm back and it's not doing that anymore. So this is the way you can start to, again, have a conversation with yourself. So all those tools are in there. Some women don't even realize how powerful hormones are. So there's a hormone symptom checklist to help you understand that bloating is a hormone system, right? Brain fog is a hormone symptom as well. You know, so there's so many joint pain can be a hormone symptom. So ligament tears, ligament damage, you know, I ruptured my Achilles about a, almost a year ago. I've recovered, but you know, not just me, so many women come in with like rotator cuff, knee, this, that, all this stuff. There's a hormone story to that, you know? So really dialing into all of that is what I hope each of you We'll get out of it and then keep coming back to it, you know, because it is a lot of information. It may be that you do this part of it right now and you come back to it again. And then when you feel like you're shifting again, you look at it again. Um, there were a few other things that really I wanted to flag and then maybe we'll open it up to some questions. Sure. Yeah. Um, but one of the things when we we, we sat next to each other at a dinner, right? Yeah. And, um, and I was saying to you something like, um, or actually wasn't at the dinner, it was at this other thing, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was saying, I have tried bioidentical hormones at some yeah. point, and I had an absolutely hellish time with um, progesterone and mm -hmm. that, and I stopped and never again touched it uh, at, after that, because it was so hellish. And you said very casually, well, it's probably just your liver, right? Like, and then like, and I was like, really? <laughs> Nobody had ever said to me, oh, maybe you're just not metabolizing. It, right. it was always just like, I always heard, because I had some very extreme, like, um, like a like almost autoimmune mm -hmm. response where I got like these weird rashes before my period. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and there would people would you know say to me, well, you just are very sensitive to progesterone. There's nothing you can do, mm. right? And just live with it. But nobody ever said, well, maybe you want to clean out your liver. Um, and uh, that was such a had such a epiphany around, you know something that's so obvious once you said it but it never right. occurred to me nobody ever explained it to me and while I live a fairly clean life of course I'm on the road and yeah. when I'm on the road I my life is not quite that clean and um, <laughs> you know, never mind never mind uh, eating out but there's of course you know alcohol and travel and bad stuff fun stuff exactly yeah. And and I think I think I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. What does it mean to 
look at the liver and the toxic load on the liver and also how that then connects with other aspects from a place not of you know denying oneself everything but from a place of finding an understanding of one system so which is something I'm personally in all my teaching very big on is yeah. it's not about never doing these things or never ever again you know but having tools so that you are actually at cause yeah. of things happening no and I I you know the longer I've done this the more I want to park in this sort of middle space because life is life and we all have to live it right and when we talked about the continuum of being a woman or the arc of a woman's journey, that journey has highs and lows and it has challenges and stressors and joy and all that other stuff. And so we're not, we don't want to be married to anything rigid or perfectionist, which, you know, unfortunately many of us end up falling into. What we really want to understand though, is what is a baseline place for each of us and where can we not wander too far. Like I can tell you mine, got to take my thyroid. I have to be gluten-free. I have to eat consistently and get protein in. If I overdo carbs, sugar, alcohol, anything else, eat gluten, I'm a different person. You know, I don't even have the energy to do this. So those are my non-negotiables, right? What are your non-negotiables? That's really the journey that you need to be uh, asking yourself as, the, as you read the book and hopefully get additional information. What are like the three things you should be able to spit them back to me? I tell my patients this, you should be able, by the end of our journey, you know, we have about, you know, four or five visits that it takes to get here. But I go, by the end of this, you should be able to spit this right back to me so that the majority of your life, you know, you have to live in this space. You're going to celebrate. You're going to, you know, have something that throws you off track. That's okay. But, you know, going back to your story about not tolerating hormones and, you know, what I said probably flippantly to you, but the gut and the liver are very much involved in hormone metabolism, but they're actually controlled by, to a certain extent, by genetics. And so we know that there's some genes and, you know, someone on my Instagram commented today, which is so frustrating, but we know there's certain genes that make the liver more sluggish. MTHFR is one of them, for example. And this woman pointed out, and I didn't realize it, but when you do like a 23andMe, it says like MTHFR clinically has no relevance, which couldn't be further from the truth. I am able to, to track like how patients have liver meridian issues, have MTHFR, you put, to, put that together. If I give them a lot of hormone, they're not going to do well. So I have to do these baby, baby doses of hormones to get them comfortable, or I have to rely more on herbal remedies or natural remedies. A non-MTHFR person could probably tolerate a standardized dose of hormones. So these are the, the personalization of our hormone therapy uh, that we have to do. And the medical system is not equipped right now to get to that level of personalization. So it, the burden does fall back on us to get this information, be able to put these things together for sure. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, the liver is a big piece of the story and different people have different levels of tolerance, right? Or different amounts of sort of baggage that they carry in the liver. And again, I think we have to figure that part out for ourselves those non-negotiables are really, I think, an important piece. Because for me, for instance, one of the absolute non-negotiables is circadian rhythm, like getting mm. sunlight first thing yep. in the morning. Yeah. Then getting like that. He cannot, yeah. there's, you cannot throw him off his sleep, you yeah. know? So that's a non-negotiable for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a non-negotiable for me because it, it, I mean, everything goes off if I don't get 
right sunlight and sleep right sunlight and sleep those are two of my three um you know but for other people that's not so big of a deal for you right. know for them it's other things so i think then the knowledge that uh it's personal and you can find out what it is is yep. really useful yeah yeah okay let's see what we have here on the question fine. i love this appointment and see what there is how yeah. can we differentiate a hormone issue versus depression i think that's a good one the other one that i really like is uh because i i've, I've heard so much about people talking about that ringing in the ears hormonal. Mm -hmm. yeah. so those are two things i'm gonna just throw at you and i see some people have raised their hands so we'll get to them as well yeah let's talk about depression for a second so um hormone versus depression, it's probably an and, not a versus, right? So there are some people that might be wired to a lower emotional state, right? If you've always been there, here's what a hormone shift does. It makes it worse. When progesterone goes down, when estrogen goes down, we know for a fact that women experience much more depression. So part, I wouldn't say it's if, or it's not a one or the other, it's usually, it's usually multifactorial. How do you manage that? We'll get your hormones checked and see if you've had a big shift from where you were. If you've had a sudden decline in levels of those hormones, that is going to explain it to a point. It doesn't mean you go straight to HRT, right? It means that we do some of the other work, the B vitamins, the protein, getting healthy fats in, all of these things support the decline in hormones. Now, on the other hand, you know, if you do that work and the depression's not lifting, or if the depression is so severe that it's making you not participate in your life, well, that depression has to be managed while you're looking at these other factors, right? So, you know, we never want somebody to be absent from their life or to feel like they can't be involved. So I think that sometimes, and we do a lot of this in practice, it's a twofold situation where we're medicating or band-aiding an active symptom because a person is just in such a bad place. But we're doing this other work over here to build somebody back up, whether it's hormonal or nutritional or gut work. And at some point, then we're able to take the medication part back down and see where the patient lands, right? So that's that's very much an art. But to answer the question, the question, I wouldn't think of them separately. I would think of them as connected because so many women lose their hormones and go into a deep depression. In fact, I have patients that have had to keep on hormones into their 60s and even as they enter 70, because if I take it away, they go back into this very deep, dark depression and their family begs me for it. So, you know, so I think you have to think of them together. The other question was, I've already lost ringing it. Ringing the ears. Oh, ringing in the ears. Okay. So and ringing the life questions for those. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about ringing in the ears. One of the things that happens with a, a, a hormone drop is uh, you start to get tightness through here. And if you guys just feel right in your jaw, if it feels crunchy and crackly, or if it's popping as you open and close, it's clamping down on the nerve that goes to your ear. So many women get ringing in the ears simply because of low progesterone, because now there's more inflammation through this whole area. It's tightening up the jaw, it's causing pressure here. That's one reason. The second reason is that simply with the hormone drop, both in estrogen and progesterone, there is just more ringing in the ears. We don't know the exact sort of 
physiology behind it, but we do see that as a correlation frequently. The solution, you know, you could do low-grade hormone replacement therapy, but we do a lot of like magnesium, acupuncture, those type of things to kind of soften everything up and increase some of the laxity through here. So it's not so tight. And many of our patients get relief that way. That's really good to know. Mm -hmm. I've had it. I've had it where I was just like, I have bouts of that too. Yeah. My my ears are ringing because I hate flying, but that's a different story. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to take a few live um, questions and um, uh, there's so many good questions, but, but let's start with Libby. Hi, Libby. Libby is in Australia, all the way from Australia. Oh my goodness. Hello. Hi, Dr. Taz. Hi, Michaela. I'm loving this so much. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to buy your book. Thank you. I'm sure it's available somewhere in Australia. I'll find it. So Um, I'm a bit complicated. Um, I've got endocrine issues everywhere. Um, I'm a cancer survivor. That's the the main thing. Mm. Um, and the main thing that's affecting me at the moment is, um, adrenal insufficiency. Mm-hmm. So I've had them knocked out by major steroids. Um, and I was just wondering if you have any tips on how to wean yourself off steroids and how to help the adrenals come back online. Um, I'm sure I had adrenal fatigue, you know, in my twenties, just listening to you, I'm sure I've got a long pattern of burnout and but the like the cancer and the and the um yeah the steroids have really really knocked me around so yeah so you would be in a state of depletion if we use the Chinese medicine lens on you and what they would do for someone in a state of depletion is just systematically build you back up so it would be rehabbing your gut health, adding in protein and nutrients, making sure your blood sugar is incredibly stable and not allowing too much fluctuation or variation there. And then flipping to my medical hat, right? Or the conventional medicine world. I would be curious if your thyroid's been optimized because that usually gets crashed with the- mm, It has. I've also got Hashimoto's and PCOS <laughs> and, All of that. and menopause, you know, like the That's chemo gosh. threw me into instant menopause. So I'm just a mess. <laughs> so I would optimize your thyroid. I would try anti-inflammatories. So things like CBD or- We use something called low-dose naltrexone a lot in practice, and that enables, it acts like a prednisone, but without the side effect profile of a prednisone. And it enables us to get prednisone doses down and help the body. Because your first goal is really to get the inflammation gone. If the inflammation can go away, then your body can get back to homeostasis and kind of get into more of a balanced state. And then mm-hmm. your the cortisol production will, will resume and you'll get back on track. So, so I would... You could follow actually the plan in the book. I think that would be a good, the only caveat there is like the book doesn't talk about LDN and all those things. Those are probably a little bit more personal, but like maybe start with the plan in the book because it does build the gut. It does give you a nutrient list. It does talk about blood sugar and its role and all of this. So that might be a starting point, but I feel like you're going to need like LDN, thyroid, maybe something for blood sugar stability, you know, um, something for helping you with progesterone and helping you with uh, the depletion of the estrogen too. So that's probably where you have to move towards, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm getting the book. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Now it's probably also worth saying, Taz, I don't know, you know, you'll get so busy now probably, but you do do remote. Yes. Yes. Right. 
So yeah. for somebody like Libby, it's probably a bit difficult for you to get the blood tests, but you could advise her on where to get blood tests in Australia, for instance, right? And then look at those things. Definitely. So we are actually, there are multiple ways to get blood tests. I think everyone gets super frustrated by this. Um, there are partner labs in Europe and in Australia. So we are working on those relationships. So it's very easy for you to independently get labs without having to, you know, necessarily go through the whole, like my doctor has to order it, that whole business. There are a lot of home and self-pay labs that you can do too, that are not crazy expensive, but at least still a way to track. So in the practice, we have some on my website, we have some, so there are other ways of getting around this, but I am because the book is getting picked up internationally, we're actively looking for partner labs so that women have a place to go and just get these things done. And we do, by the way, if you do want to be a patient, yes, we have a whole remote team. You know, we have an in-office team if you want to come to Atlanta and see us here. And then I'll be traveling and opening up uh, spots probably in New York and LA in 2024 for sure. I'm all for the LA one. I, you know, I want to be there. I probably want to be close to you, close to. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but uh, I want to just say this because some people miss the beginning. Yes, the book addresses everything from the beginning of puberty till the postmenopausal um, aspects. So it's not just uh, menopause or you know those kind of things. Annette and then Tanya and then we're probably gonna run out of time but oh, man. <laughs> hello thank you Hi. ladies so much okay so here's my dump <laughs> <laughs> um so I've been battling SIBO in my gut Mm-hmm. And I eat and I've been battling it for a while. I have it pretty much down. I had the LCAT done years back to see what my food sensitivities were, learned a lot there. Um, had a lot of uh loss and grief uh the last couple of years and a lot of stress. Um anyway, but where I'm at now, since I'm 52 and I'm stepping into um the you know, the menopause era, but I can still apparently have babies. And I was like, oh fuck. Anyway, um <laughs> just to say, sorry, everybody for the F-bomb. But um, I was like, whoo, that would be the surprise. Anyway, um, what I'm really grateful for right now too is learning about the liver and how connected this is. So my question is because of the SIBO, I Mm -hmm. exercise regularly, I'm fit, I eat really well, healthy, I prepare my own stuff. So um, for the most part, unless I'm traveling, obviously, but what I'm really noticing is that as I'm learning and I'm recognizing that my gut is, is what's responsible for my skin exploding along with possibly my hormones. And I'm realizing this now yes. as I've gone through every skin, you know, purchase and holistic, whatever. And my skin is just blowing up like a teenager. Um, and so I'm realizing that something's off and I'm wondering if a liver cleanse would be connected to maybe even working with my gut as what well. is that like the cycle like I've never done a liver cleanse so I'm thinking well maybe that's the thing that's where everything's kind of clogged but in listening to you and hearing what what this is when your skin's blowing up you're getting acne is that what you're saying oh yes like cystic like this I mean I might as well be 13 so this is an important pattern and I and I write about it in the book so one of the menopause patterns is shifting towards androgen dominance, which is high DHT, high testosterone, high free testosterone, high AMH, all of those things. You get the jawline acne, 
Uh, you get the scalp hair loss, the body, more of the body hair, right? That's a menopause pattern. That's one of three different patterns. So a liver cleanse will absolutely help. It'll down-regulate these hormones. These are dirty hormones is what I call them. So it'll help, but it won't be instant. It takes a while for these hormones to kind of for those levels to come down. Um, a lot of times I'll put somebody like you on Sol Palmetto, which is an herb that blocks androgens and choline, which helps the liver and then some sort of blood sugar stability as well. And if that's not working, I'll move on to a medication, but you are on track with thinking about the liver. The only thing I would question a little bit is, are you sure you just have SIBO and you're not flip-flopping between SIBO and Candida because Candida and ah. androgens and insulin live together happily. So, um, so that would be the thing. Mm. And a lot of patients have flip-flop and the flip-flop is from fat malabsorption, which is your body's not absorbing fat, not breaking fat down very well. So the gut microbiome can't be stable. It just keeps like you eat probably perfectly for it. It's good for a little bit. And then it slides back into a different pattern. So that could be happening as well. But that's like it a, sounds like you're talking about my gut. It sounds like a 30 <laughs> second like download, but that's that's sort of what I've seen in practice and and kind of the patterns that I've seen go together. Okay. Well, I did order your book and I do have it on Audible as well. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be diving into this as as a study, you know. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. yes, the book thank is you so yeah, yes, it is. So I, I have both until my book gets here. But the candida, thank you for that, because I have not had that, but I'm, I'm sort of did have the bad taste in my mouth around Western medicine and switched to, mm. you know, mm -hmm. the, the yeah, the naturopathic kind of way, but that is still a challenge. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Today. Very welcome. Thank you. I was going to say one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to, for the people who showed up live, um, and uh, now they're all called Casey Carey, so we're going <laughs> to have to we're going to have to do this a bit different. But we were going to do two giveaways where um, in each of the giveaways you get the hormone shift, you get the Wild Woman's Way, and you're getting um, I'll should show this to you because they arrived this morning. And Taz and I have been talking about this. You're getting one of these before they get sent out, which is the 55 Flavors Oracle deck. Oh. So we're going to do two packages. But now that everybody's called Casey Carey, what I'm going to say is I'm going to, um, if you email the office at workshops at michaelabone.com, the first two people emailing will get the will get the card. So put your address in their card book and Wild Woman's Way. So that's what we're going to do, regardless of where you are in the world, by the way, <laughs> because I have a very international crowd. So I have had to send things to remote corners of the world. <laughs> amazing. amazing. All right. Well, it's always fun getting gifts, isn't it? So I think we're pretty much done because it is the full hour. I can't thank you enough. I'm yeah, so Thank sure. you of you, of you taking the time, of you talking about these things, of you writing the book and providing such an amazing resource. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again about stuff. I'm sure. And thank you <laughs> for inviting me into your beautiful community. Thank you guys. I appreciate thank it. Thank you.
All right, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll send this out as well, of course. And uh, we'll probably also put this, not probably, we will make this into a podcast. And then there will be all the links to the book, to the things. I'm getting shitloads of emails in here now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.